You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Business in Black. This is Danita Harris, your host, coming to you from the lovely but rainy Brooklyn, New York this morning, uh, joined by our lovely co-host, Dr. LaTanya Hughes, down in uh, not-so-sunny South Florida. I heard they've been underwater, but you got a little poke through the clouds today I hear yeah well yeah yesterday morning it rained like the dickens all day all morning and then the sun come out like 3 34 o'clock in the afternoon we done rain all day yeah and then the sun comes out now today we have a reverse so it's it's sunny this morning and we'll get rain later this afternoon and stuff but I mean it's the rainy season you you know you just make it work you deal with you deal with it you make it work so it's a lot of activity this that weekend, is so and true. hopefully they don't get rained out. If they do, oh well. I'm yeah. Take, you know, so hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so today, um, on Business in Black, we'll be talking about, well, Business in Black is a weekly podcast where we talk all things building, growing, and starting um, your entrepreneurial endeavors or your business. Excuse me. And today we decided to talk about, I think, something that's pretty interesting topic. It's a dilemma that a lot of people find themselves in as newly budding entrepreneurs or even existing business owners. Um, Whether or not to take a job and in that job, should I take freelance opportunities on the side or be a full time employee and work my business on the side while growing or starting a business. So I thought it was um, good to take some time to talk about this because I know a lot of people are um, endeavoring in businesses and trying to expand their business. And sometimes, a lot of times, people can't find money to expand their business, grow their business. And sometimes you have to take on um other endeavors like maybe freelance work or going to get a part-time job or a full-time job to hold your family down, to hold the business down while you continue to grow the business. And this is not a a race issue, black, white. I know them all that have had to do this um, while building a business. It's just a building a business issue. Uh, It's not so easy. Let me tell you one thing that the uh, picture screen does not do for you is is explain in detail the excruciating uh, process it is to become an entrepreneur and or a business owner. I think the best movie, and I've been recommending it all the time here lately, is Joy, J-O-Y, the lady who invented the hands-free mop that self-rings. I think that's a great movie for you to go watch. She does not pay me. She does not know me to plug her movie. But I think especially as a female entrepreneur, business owner, it is definitely one that you should watch because it really tells you about the rigor and the, um, the just the hard terrain that it is to be in business, to start a business with no money, with family, with business people, you know, who might do you wrong or et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think it's an excellent movie for you to really get a grasp. Everybody else wants to kind of paint you like a Beyonce story, right? Where 
it's, oh, we sang and I was nine and I was already packing out shows. And then I just emerged into this wonderful pop star, like the biggest pop star ever. And that's not how it goes. Like they fail to tell you the no. Well, they tell you the, the star search no for Beyonce's story, right? They don't tell you all the no's that she got um, because I'm sure it was more than just star search that said no. Um, so this movie really helps you to see without the rose painted glasses on like, yeah, you too can be an entrepreneur and it's going to be wonderful and you're going to make millions. Well, if that's the case, then why are female led entrepreneurial endeavors, businesses amassing less than 1% of all millionaires in business? I think that statistic is right. The last time I checked, Mm -hmm. but I digress off of my, um, my soapbox here so we can get into some meat of some things. Um, You know, Dr. Hughes is just, it's one of those things where it's a plight Mm -hmm. and we have to know how to navigate through those troubled waters and that uh, it really is. It's like desert one minute, uh, mountainous one minute, valleys one minute, um, you know, it's, it's very raining one minute, sunny another minute. And you really have to be emotionally prepared to be in business. So having said that, uh, we're going to get right into a couple of things that we felt like were worthy to discuss with you on your quest of furthering your business. Um, Should I go freelance? Should I go employee as I start to build my own business? And the first one I'm going to start with is the caution of If you're going to be somebody's employee, remember, especially if you're going to, which usually means that you're going to take on a full-time salary. If you're taking on a full-time salary, remember salaried employees are people who get burned out easily and physically because they have no bounds no boundaries with you whatsoever you are a walking talking garbage disposal and they will push any and every project to you um multiple projects so there there is no such thing as a 40 hour work week um there is no thing as getting paid for your overtime right there's no yeah Um, there is no thing as, um, sometimes they don't feel like, you know, they feel like you're on call. Mm -hmm. So being a employee might hinder your business because you might really get burnt out because your employer is burning you out. You have to draw some boundaries there because, um, the thing about, uh, being the thing about being, um, salaried employee is you become like Ms. Harris said a, a human dumping ground especially if you're new to the job they're going to pass on every project that they really don't want to do mm-hmm. to you uh, so you have to establish some boundaries because you do have a lot of times people don't feel like they have recourse they don't have a say but you really do um, the other thing is um, you know like she said, you don't have you don't get overtime and none of that I mean you know none of that stuff so um you want to make sure that, you know, coming in, 
you establish those boundaries, just like, you know, even in the interview. So they know, you know, this is why it's important to make sure you find if you're if you're working and you're looking for full time and you're you're considered was not exempt salaried. You want to make sure you find a company whose values align with your own, because if they don't, they go run you into the ground. You, you you might get vacation days, but you probably won't be able to use them. Mm. Or, you know, you may have, like Ms. Harris say, they'll call you out the hours. No, you got to have boundaries because if you don't, you'll be running to the ground. You'll have stress. You'll have all of these different things. And so I think the most important thing is if this is the route you, you need to go, because let's, let's be honest, you can't pay, pay bills on a dream. You can't, you know, bills don't stop because you're starting a business. If anything, starting a business, they're going to increase because you're pouring into the business. Um, So you have to do what you have to do. If this is something that you do, you want to make sure that, again, you establish some boundaries straight out the gate. And you may feel like I don't have any recourse. That's why you have to be um, intentional with where you seek and find employment. Well, and I think speaking back to what you said about work-life balance and if, they're, they, if they can align with your values, I think that speaks to the subject of work-life balance. Right. Um, and that work-life balance being that they appreciate the work that you put in, but they understand that you have a life outside of their organization and that they're not going to impede upon that life by um, calling you on the weekends and calling you after hours and expecting you. I've had <clears throat> managers that I've heard of where they're texting their employees at like five o'clock in the morning, expecting them to be up at five o'clock in the morning. Well, my workday doesn't start until eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning. And so um, when they start doing that and pressuring you, I actually was working for an organization not too long ago who was doing that. And it's like, no, you're not going to, and I wouldn't answer. And then Mm -hmm. I, you know, we'll let them know my workday starts when I, when I pull up to work. My work days does not start prior to that. I am under no obligation whatsoever to answer emails in the middle of the night because you're up answering emails. And guess what? They're not going to like it. Right. I'm going to tell you straight out. Most people are not going to like it because they don't have work-life balance. They don't have the frame of mind of um, healthy employee um, um, a system put in place, a, a wellness community put in place in their corporation, and they feel like, you know, I pay you to be at my disposal, and that's just not the case. And so, unfortunately, we ended up parting ways, and that being one of the reasons. But, you know, you have to, like Dr. Hughes said, you have to stand your ground. And unfortunately, sometimes, even when you stand your ground in the beginning, Dr. Hughes, and you explain listen, I have a very, you know, I have a family at home. You don't even have to tell them the details that you have a side hustle going on, but I have a family at home and it's very valuable to me, et cetera. And they'll say, what, Dr. Hughes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you here and this, that, and the third. And and then just lie straight through their teeth to get you in the door. Excuse me. And then they'll get you in the door and change the whole thing on you. And you'll say, well, wait a minute. Didn't I ask for this day off prior to me coming? Because I already knew these dates. And they say, oh, well, no, no, no. And that's when you just have to stand your ground. Right. And I think one of the things that's very, very, very important is workplace culture. What is the real culture of the organization? Mm -hmm. You have the right 
to ask about it, not just in the interview, but say, hey, can I actually talk to people who are currently working, current employees about workplace culture? You know, because that, that's your right. You know, what's a day in the life like at this place? Mm-hmm. You know, can I, can I shadow an employee for a day? You know what I mean? And so the, even if they pair you with one, you know, somebody who may give you a, you know, fairy tale mm-hmm. outlook of what the business is like, you're in there for a day. So you're not just seeing it from their point of view. You're seeing everything. And so that way, now you can see for yourself what what culture, what the workplace culture really is, because you're hearing the conversations. You're seeing what a day in the life is like. And if one day you see if red flags go off, that's probably not the workplace for you. I don't care how good the package is. If you really trying to have your business on the side. Right. You cannot that, ignore red flags. Well, but and that's the thing, Dark. It's funny you say that because I saw, um, I think it was on YouTube yesterday where somebody put up how um, a meme of how, uh, or maybe it was Instagram, a meme of how uh, everybody's on their best behavior when, when, when company comes, right? So at the uh-huh. office place, so everybody's on there, oh, hi, hi, this wonderful place to work at, you know, and they're like being silently in the background, right? But, uh, I think that's it. But to to the tune of, I think sometimes we get in a point of desperation where we're so desperate for the money that we forget to even ask good questions mm-hmm. um, because it, it really will throw an employer. I know it threw my last employer on their heels when I started asking certain questions. And, and I remember telling Dr. Hughes, they, they never really gave me any good answers. Like they never really addressed the questions I asked. They kind of skirted around them. And that shows me they're not used to having to answer questions. Most people just come in and say, yep, I want to work here. Okay, nope, no questions. I'll figure it out as I go along. But when you become a person who starts asking questions, it also might become um, a bit of a, mm, what, how should I say that? It might become a bit of an agitation point because off tops, they should already know that you're a person about business. Mm-hmm. And they're more than likely going to be looking for some drones. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind too, um, just as a 1A side note, keep that in mind as you're looking for a job because... They're looking for drones. They're not looking to turn out millionaires from a corporation. They want to be the millionaires off of your back. So they're not going to contribute to your well-being, but to a certain extent to help further their own agenda. They're not in business to help you be in business or further your dreams and goals in life. Keep that in mind. Most companies are not. Let's put it that way. Most companies are not. There are some few and far between companies that will, but most of them are there because they need a body. Right. So, and and keep in mind that a lot of what we're talking about applies to us here in the West, in North America, in the United States, because there are other countries who they require, they force a certain work, work day environment, meaning you can't work beyond 
right. this many hours per day. You are not allowed to call employees after hours. And right. you have to give vacation and allow people to take vacation. And it's more, sometimes it's two weeks and sometimes it's a whole month. So, and I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm on board with that. Like we need to get on board with that because if other nations are seeing the value in healthy workplace, healthy work culture, in well communities, in their um, office place, we need to see the same value. But we we have we 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 just have a, a skewed and very flawed perspective of productivity and what it takes mm-hmm. to really um, achieve productivity. And that's you know that's another. That's a whole nother topic. And with that, we're going to take a little break. Uh, You're listening to Business in Black. And today we're talking about whether you should freelance or be an employee as you're furthering or starting out your business. Uh, Grab a snack and we'll be back. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. to Business in Black. I don't know if that was long enough for you to grab a snack, but hopefully you got some water in you and you're taking some good notes about today's topic on whether you should freelance or be an employee as you're continuing your endeavors or starting up a business. I do want to take time, Dr. Hughes, to talk about one point. You have to excuse me today for all of these coughs and clearing of throats. But one thing I wanted to talk about today was um, the fact that a lot of people feel like they should quit their, their job, Dr. Hughes, to, I had a lady once say, oh, well, I'm coming into ten dollars or $15,000. I'm thinking of quitting my job and starting my business. And to that, I looked appalled, shocked, and horrified that she hadn't done the math. Because one thing in your math equation that most new entrepreneurs and business owners don't understand is their burn ratio. You can never understand your burn ratio until you're in the midst of it. Really, you can calculate and you can hypothesize and you can take educated guesses, but it's one of those things you won't know. You can't, it's not like you know anything else that you've ever done, so you really won't know until you know, until you're in the thick of it, to be able to even say what your burn ratio and the burn ratio, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is. The amount of money that you will go through in order to bring your business to fruition, all these little things pop up. And it's kind of like going to the Dollar Tree or like going to Target more like. So going to Target and say, I'm just going in for one thing. And the next thing you know, your bill is $100. And you look down and you say, well, it was only $2 for this and $5 for that and $2 for this and $5 for that. And then guess what? All of those multiply up and you're at $100 when your intent was to maybe spend five or 10. So you don't know what your burn ratio is going to be off that. You don't know what organizations you're going to join for the most part. You don't know what... um, 
what services you're going to need to pay for. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know if the person that's going to create your logo is going to be creating a good one and or, or get like what happened to me. Someone created a logo for me $300 later. I can't use it because it's a stock art. So, you know, and so there are lessons that you will learn. You're going to pay for some education, as I like to call it, because I don't want to say that I threw $300 away. I like to say that I paid that education and it was a $300 lesson I had to pay for. But you don't know what those are going to be along the way. So you can't, you can't know up front what your burn ratio is. And if you can't know what your burn ratio is, you don't know if ten dollars to $15,000 is enough. You may think it is. It's not. It's not. Here's a hint. It's not. It's not. It's not enough. No. At all. Um, you know, franchise fees, if you have a franchise business, 10000 10, of that is already gone. Absolutely. So just, you know, that's just thinking, think in terms of that, even if it's not, if you're not doing a franchise, let that be your benchmark. If a franchise could cost me 10,000 or even 15, depending on the franchise, you, that's enough for your light bulb to cut on and say 10 to $15,000 is not enough. Right. And so speaking of franchises, Chick-fil-A will take a franchise in $10,000 and you can, they'll pay for quite a number of things, but there's still a list of things they are not paying for. Mm-hmm. So you have, cause they're not going to pay for your employees. Right. They're going to pay for hard material. Why will they pay for the hard material in the real estate you ask? Because they can recomp those back if something happens and they need to take it back. That's easy. That's collateral. Mm-hmm. So they're fronting you the collateral for you to make the business a success, right? So when you take on an entrepreneurial endeavor as such, where it's a, okay, we're open seven, six days a week, um, it ain't no getting sick. Mm-hmm. It ain't no, you know, like you really have to be in it every single day. I know a lady, my UPS store owner, she is literally, I look at her and I say, Regina, when are you taking a vacation? And she just shakes her head. No, it's her business. She and her daughter, her daughter's there, but she's a little younger in her twenties. But as a, as a, you'll learn as a business owner, it's like being a parent. You don't want to leave your business in the hands of everybody or a dog owner. You just don't want to leave your business in the hands of everybody. And as a result, you're going to be there the most. So my advice to you is don't quit your day job. Mm-hmm. please don't quit your day job until you have enough revenue coming in the door on a consistent, a consistent, a yes. consistent basis to where you can take that leap of faith. Now, if you're a trust fund baby and you're sitting on Miami beach somewhere and you don't have a care in the world and you're up in a condo and you don't have any you know, bills or anything like that, by all means, do whatever it is that you need to do. But remember, there's still a burn ratio. You got to have mm-hmm. a website. You have to have business cards. There's the cost of doing business. But please don't quit. And I say that emphatically. Please do not quit. If anything, let them lay you off and you still get your unemployment. 
Mm-hmm. Because at least you have a source of income, income. still coming in. Why yes. would you shoot yourself in the foot mm-hmm. and give up a source of income to feed yourself and or family in pursuit of what your dreams are? And I know it works out for some people, but it doesn't work out for the mo- majority of people. Having said that, my old attorney, he wanted to start a gun business. They did. But guess what he still had to do? His day job. Until they could build it up to the place where he could quit being an attorney. Because he had a family to feed. So you just have to really, and even if you're a single person without a family to feed, you are your family. So you still have to consider, I mean, the the cost of things. Come on, if you're a female, you still want to go get your hair done. So, you know, there are a lot of things to just consider about taking the leap of faith or playing it safe. And I say... Yes, I hear you, Steve Harvey. Take the leap of faith. You have to jump. But God also gave us wisdom. Mm-hmm. And we want to remain wise because if it doesn't jump, because there is no guarantee with your business jumping off. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. I've had more business failures than I can count. So anyway... Take some time to really think about if you should quit your job. Take some time to think about that. All right. Uh, next one on the list is salary jobs, um, being an employee. Um, basically, you know, we it's like a vortex almost, Dr. Hughes. They can suck you in to their system, and it's really difficult to get out. I think when you're when you're taking on an employee salary job, you become invested in more than one way in the job. It's like an emotional vortex that occurs and you are sucked in and all of a sudden it becomes like that movie, uh, The Circle, (laughs) where like you're eating, breathing and living this job and you have no differentiation, especially if you're single, of being your own independent self and this job, and then you find less and less time to work on your, your own stuff and more time is pushed over to this salaried job. And so you have to be very careful again with your work-life balance and what you allow up, what intellectual property you allow them to poke into and what you're going to allow them to pull you out of. So you really have to be careful about, um, you know, salary jobs. And, and, and again, they're looking for drones. They're looking for people that necessarily don't have hopes, dreams, and ambitions. They're perfect. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're perfectly fine. I have friends that's been with companies for 20 years, you know, since they left college. And they'll, they'll retire from these jobs. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if that's not your mentality, there is going to be something wrong with that for you. So you don't want to have to be in a job where you have to give your heart, your soul, and your mind over to that job. 
Right. And, you know, I think uh, in, in working full time, it is an urban myth that full time has to be salary for you to make good money. Right. With benefits. No, you can have, a, a, you know, there's exempt and non-exempt as it relates to salary. Guess what? You can be hourly and be killing it. Can I tell you that hour, hourly full time? Sometimes it's more than salary. Because you get because more overtime. They get, mm-hmm. they get differential pay. You don't get that when you're salary. You just, that's flat out. That's why, you know, it's easier to dump a lot of work on you and make you do the overtime because they don't have to pay you overtime. They don't have to pay you shift differential pay. Listen, um, mm-hmm. you, you might, if you're a hotel manager, guess what? And you have to work night audit, you don't get night audit shift differential pay. You get what you regularly pay. Right. So you have to think about that full-time um, benefits and stuff. is. Listen, sometimes are being promoted to the manager or being promoted to the manager. Is it worth it sometimes? Mm -hmm. Because listen, the stress, you know, you're going to responsibility and less your own Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Like I'm an advocate for people always pushing for more in their own lives. Okay. You should be seeking promotion at some point somewhere in your life. And so if you're not an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have that entrepreneurial spirit. You don't have, I, that's okay. Then yeah, push to, to, to go up that corporate ladder. Like Ms. Harris said, she has friends who've been in, you know, corporate for 20 plus years. I have the same. That's okay. You know what I mean? But if you got an entrepreneurial spirit, you got a side hustle, baby, be good. You know, take your annual little 3% increase when they do your review, you know, a little something, something, you know, if they want to make you a supervisor, as long as you still punching that clock. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, be wise about the situation. Let me come to you. Be wise about the situation. You know what I mean? You pay attention to your coin, secure the bag. Right. While you're working on securing your bag on the side. So you have to think there's only 24 hours in a day. I don't have any more time than you do. Miss Harris doesn't have any more or less time than I do. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. It's how you maximize that time. And a lot of that boils down to the decisions that we make. Absolutely. And in speaking of time, um, of using your time wisely. So I, I, um, my former assistant came off of salaried, um, onto hourly and she couldn't stand it in the beginning. And I had to break it down to her. And when you start as a manager, uh, you're expected to work anywhere from 45 to 60 hours a week. And when you start doing that math and I had to show her when you start doing that math, compared to her being able to take overtime now and all of those things, it actually is much more beneficial. Um, It really is. And it's sad. It really is sad. They give you these manager titles, but they don't really give you manager's pay. Then you're overworked because you're working 10 to 20 hours more than you would have as just a regular employee. Um, It's a lot more stressful. And they don't definitely don't pay you for stress time. They may pay you for some overtime, but they ain't going to pay you for the stress time. So you just have to um, be vigilant in understanding, like Dr. Hughes says, it's not all about being able to be salaried. You know, um, uh, full-time punching a clock is 
very much. Listen, I knew someone that used to work for um, Neiman Marcus and would refuse, bestseller they had, refuse every job promotion to the managerial spot they had because his commission would be cut. You don't even get as much commission off of being a manager in roles like that. So uh, you have to understand the whole picture before you make these kinds of decisions is the point we're trying to say. And in that, we're going to go right on to the next one of um, what I dubbed as using your time well. Um, And that's your time. And what I mean by your time is your time, your earned time. We live in America, and unfortunately, America feels like you shouldn't be able to take your sick time. And I have a problem with that because I earned that sick time. So who are you to tell me that I'm well enough to come to work? If I don't feel well, if I feel like I need a mental health day because I just am going through some stuff or what have you, um, then that's my time I've earned. But we feel so shamed, don't we, Mm -hmm. to take time off. We feel shamed. We feel like if I take time off, the next person in line is going to get my job. And sometimes that happens. Uh Uh, We feel like if we take time off to see about an ailing parent or our children are sick, that we're going to be penalized and oftentimes are penalized. And it's just sick and deplorable and shame on corporate America in, in America um, that would even treat people as if the time that they've earned legally that they can't even take off. Mm-hmm. So it's this unfortunate. Why, yeah, this is why a lot of people have conversations, and we see a lot of uh, articles in Huffington Post and some other areas that highlight what's happening in other countries, especially in Europe, and you know where they're again, like I said in the previous segment, forcing when they require you to you know employers to give these people vacation and let them take it like it's not not, like that but they'll close the whole plant and the whole will will go on vacation everybody Mm -hmm. there's nothing happening listen in um asian countries especially during um holiday season they'll tell you real quick we're not working you can put your order in right what's going to happen is after after we celebrate for this month we will fill your orders, but this whole month we ain't working. It, it's it's it, it's a it's again. It speaks back to workplace culture, and a lot of times it's that workplace balance. We talk about workplace balance, but we are not actually about workplace balance here in the West. And what so, what does that even mean to them when they say workplace balance? I think they're just saying buzzwords to make people feel good. It is. It really is. <laughs> it's 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 just like a market. Like employees are a market. Like anything else, because you want to attain and attract and maintain good talent. Human mm-hmm. capital is like, it's it's a minefield. And the more you have to offer, the more they're going to throw stuff at you right. to draw you in. It's bait. They're baiting you. That's right. why I say you really have more power because if they really want you. Right. You know what Which I mean? Especially if they're coming hard at you. Being a freelance employee. Exactly. 
Yeah, there, and you see, you're seeing a big um, push now mm-hmm. towards people being freelance or consultants, mm-hmm. contractors, a lot of contract work, because you can get a $20,000 contract to do three months worth of work. You can, if you budget right, you can ride that for a long right. time right. and then, you know, come up with another contract and build your portfolio and and, and be self-employed and still have a side note. You know what I'm saying? So you have to right. think um, I'm not, I hate to say this term, think outside the box, but it, you really do. You've got mm-hmm. to be creative and innovative and, and, you know, look at what people are doing in other countries because they, they got it. They, they got it. They ain't just talking about it, but they're really doing it. Um, and we just, I, I don't know if we'll ever really get on board with it here in the West and really embrace it. And maybe that's why we, I don't understand that because we do a lot of outsourcing. I think we're too greedy. I think that's what yeah. it comes down to. I don't We're too greedy it. to allow for that type of environment to to exist. I, I, and it's selfish because we'll outsource to a country and to those people, we'll, we'll follow the law of the land. We'll give them their vacation. We'll follow that, but mm-hmm. we won't do that to our own. Our own. US. That, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't. But like you said, it's greed and greed don't make sense. No way. So, you know, hey. Right. Well, it's your time. Use it. Um, you earned it. And don't feel two ways about it. You have a life to live and you only get one of those. And all we have is time. So with that, we're going to take a short break and you're listening to Business in Black. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. And welcome back to Business in Black. You're listening to our show Today, where we're talking about freelance versus employee, which should you be as you're endeavoring into this new business or building your business? Um, And the next one, Dr. Hughes, we're going to go to is um, some of the drawbacks of being an employee. You know, we've talked about them along the way, but just to really highlight them again, you're not going to be eligible for overtime pay, but you're going to be required to work overtime. Um, So it's really... I think the theme of it, which you nailed in the first segment, of course, um, is about work-life balance and you just having those clear boundaries of what you're going to be willing to give of yourself intellectually, emotionally, physically. And you have to know that going into one of these salaried positions as opposed to a freelance position. So let, I mean, but let's dissect that just a little bit. Because just because you accept a freelance position doesn't mean they don't have certain expectations of you. You're not completely free, okay, to do as you will. As a client, you still have guidelines and there's going to be expectations that are placed upon you because some contractors are just considered regular employees. They're just contractual in nature of their contract that they've signed, if that makes sense. So they still have the same expectations as a regular employee. They just are only on a contract term as opposed to some true freelancers are truly freelancers. And that's considered like, okay, no, this employer is actually a client, which is a different feel than I'm just a contracted employee. Right. So keeping that into consideration, um, you definitely have to be aware of your health 
mentally and physically and emotionally when stepping into an employee situation? Right. I will say this. Work backwards. I think sometimes that's better. What's your end goal? And um, what do you believe it's going to take? Like you have to do the numbers and not just talk about financially, but hours. How much time is it going to take for you daily, weekly, monthly, you know, quarterly, annually to work and grow your business? How much, you know, in, in terms of time? you know, for you to achieve your financial goals, then that's going to tell you how much time you have left for anything else. And then what adjustments you need to make. And then you can make the the best decision for you as it relates to your specific goals. So if you know you need 30 hours a week, I'm just throwing something out there to grow your business, to to reach the the financial goals that you have, because nine times out of 10, most people have aggressive financial goals. So they really want to make it work in the beginning then that's only leaving you about 10, you know, that means you're going to be working a part-time job. Mm-hmm. Instead of flipping, flipping the script and say you're working your, you know, your side hustle 10, 15, 20 hours a week. You know what I mean? Like you have to think about that because again, it's only 24 hours in a day and you have to think about work-life balance. You cannot work yourself in the ground because working, whether you part-time or full-time at an employer and your side hustle, that's two jobs, period. No matter how many hours you put in, that's still two jobs. Where do you have time to rest? Let alone enjoy your family and friends and, you know, your overall well-being. You have to consider that as well when you're making these decisions, because at the end of the day, when you're in the grave somewhere, right? Because <laughs> life's still going to go on. I mean, I hate to be morbid, but sometimes we have to be morbid and bring it home to you. So let me bring it home to you, because at the end of the day, I don't care if you, you know, you're not an entrepreneur, but you sh- you're just looking for employment, especially for we just this graduation season, especially for you babies coming out of high school, college, or whatever. And you gung ho and you're excited about working and all this kind of carrying out. Listen here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you because I did it. It was me because I had a mindset. Listen, throw that in the throw that mindset in the trash because you you can prove yourself and not run and not run yourself into a ground to the ground or allow anybody else to run you into the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, because listen, listen, listen. What that little baby said on 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 that. Listen, Linda. Listen, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. listen. There is some, when you gone from here, if you laid up in a hospital for months, they're going to find somebody else to do that job until you can come back. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We might have FMLA and all these other things in place to protect your job and all this other kind of stuff. When you you gone, that's your job still going to keep on ticking. They're going to find somebody to do that work. Right. So trust and believe if they can have that mindset when you're sick or when you're gone, when you're dead from here, they can have it while you're still working. And it might not even be another person per se that they bring as a proxy. It might just be they push it off on your counterpart. Counterpart. Because that Mm -hmm. happened a lot when they were downsizing a lot of companies. They just decided to not hire another you. They just Mm -hmm. pushed it off. And then that way, guess who saves money? Because on to the next one, as Dr. Hughes always eloquently does, which she has no idea what she's doing, but she does it. She slides <laughs> right into the next position of what I wanted to talk about, which is non-defined roles as a non-exempt employee. I'm sorry, as an exempt employee. Your roles are not defined as you're an exempt employee. 
it, it falls under other duties as a other duties. That's right. And so, as a non-exempt, a salary, um, a non-salaried employee, a potentially contractor or freelance employee, where you're punching a clock, you have the ability to say, no, 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 that's not in my guidelines. That's not in my job description. But as a non-exempt, as a exempt, excuse me, as a salaried employee, like Dr. Hughes just said, it's going to fall in other duties. So when you're out sick. And that other person has to take up that slack and they push back. They say, oh, well, these are your other duties. Mm-hmm. And they can pile them on. And now your 50-hour week becomes a 70-hour week. But guess who doesn't get paid anymore? Mm-hmm. But you've been doing the job of your manager and you and your manager is out. And so it just becomes taxing and worrying, wearing on you. Right. So when you take a salary job, again, it's not a clear cut there's a guideline of what your responsibilities are but then there's that little and other duties yeah you just have to know for yourself again what your uh what are your long-term goals Mm -hmm. and then you set your short-term goals um you know to align to to complement that is those long-term goals and and that will help you make the decision that you need as it relates to finding employment again um you know what are your what what is what's the end game as it relates to your financial goals, your business, um, you know, and your personal life? You cannot forsake your personal life because right. what what is the purpose of, of of getting all of this success and having all of these things and money and notoriety, all of these things that comes with a successful you know business? You know, if you if you forsaking your family and your friends and you lonely. The spice of life is not things, honey. The spice of life is relationships. Absolutely. And when are you going to have time to even network for your business? Right. Right. You got to think about that because people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Customers buy from people who, you know, they establish some type of relationship with. And long-term loyal customers meet, I got a relationship with you of some kind. It doesn't always have to be really close, but I feel like I'm loyal to certain brands and certain people. Right. Well, like I like supporting local and small. Mm-hmm. So right now I, I just designed some new business cards. So I'm looking for like my friend sent me to Morningstar. I've used Morning Print, Morningstar Print or whatever before. I've used Vista Print, but guess what? I want to support a local woman-owned business. That's my choice. That's something mm-hmm. I want to do. Now, if I can't find one that's comparable in price and quality, then yeah, I'll, you know, that's a good backup. But that's relationships. And I and I've met at least three woman-owned business who print. Mm-hmm. So guess what? But those are relationships. I've had an opportunity to connect with them. Now that's who I'm keeping in mind to get my business. Right. Right. You got to think about that. You have to have, and that comes from networking and go, and getting out in front of people. Right. So long-term goal, what is it? Right. And then also what are your, you have to take in consideration, is there definition in your duties as an employee versus a freelancer? Mm-hmm. Um, can you pull that contract back out and say, well, this is what I was contracted to do uh, versus an asterisk of other duties, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, just all things for thought. And, and, and I hope we don't sound like we're bashing becoming an employee because being an employee is necessary. Some, some people will take, some business owners will take a job with a competitor 
like let's say I want to start a hamburger shop. I might take a job with a, a, a McDonald's, the king of franchises, because I want to learn their system. I might take a job with Costco because I want to learn their system. And so it's about learning what you don't know in corporate America that might um, make you want to take that job to learn so that you can come away from that to make yours better. I know countless of entrepreneurs who have done that strategy and they, like Dr. Hughes says, they have an end game. They have a goal in mind. I'm going to work here for a year and I'm going to learn all about men's clothing as much as I can. Right. before launching my own or, or hard being a, in, in a hardware store before launching my own. It's a very smart strategy. So don't get sucked into the vortex, right? It's a wealth right. of information. It's no different than Google. You Actually, it is different than Google University because it's hands-on. You have right. people you can talk to to get feedback from. You can bounce ideas off of. You can ask questions in ways that they don't even know why you're asking the question. They just think you're looking for more information, you know, but all for research to help your business. While getting paid. Let me tell you getting paid and having benefits. Right. There there are okay, so let me take one industry that I that I'm in and that's fashion because I do I I have a jewelry line. And um, you know, there's a lot of I'm not gonna say say it, but there is one in particular where, you know, it's a great source, don't get me wrong, but you have to pay to be a part of it. And they provide you with training as part of of, of what you pay for is training to learn the industry and the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. And what we're saying to you is sometimes the sacrifice you make in working for someone else in your industry and the knowledge that you will gain while you're getting paid and possibly with benefits far exceeds you spending money investing in something that somebody's telling you in some webinar online. Whereas when you get that hands-on experience and you're working side by side and you in the trenches, Mm -hmm. you don't know whether it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Or if they just kind of keeping stuff away from you because they want you to keep investing in these tutorials and all this kind of stuff. You have to, again, like Miss Harris said, think smart. Mm-hmm. Be wise. It's okay. to. I know you have a great idea, great concept, and you want to j- dive right in. But sometimes it's the tortoise, not the hare, that's most successful. So you want to take take time and be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. If you can get paid and get you some benefits to learn the ins and outs of your industry, right? Come, come, come all the way through. Because guess what? You're not just learning your industry. You're learning what your competitors are doing, and you're mm-hmm. seeing the value that you can create if you don't already have the value. Now, guess what? You know what? Let me, this is another idea I got that's going to set my brand apart from the next. Okay, guess what? You're getting added value. So information is critical to your business. It is. So ain't nothing wrong with working for somebody else while you more intelligent in your conversation with investors or whomever, because now you can truly speak. Like that's how, um, that's how some of these great, companies were built. That's how Netflix, I mean, not Netflix, but Redbox came out of Blockbuster. That's how Oracle came out of other company, like another company, because they, they, it was an actual employee that had an entrepreneurial mindset because entrepreneurs oftentimes are problem solvers. The reason why they started business is because they're solving a particular problem, a gap that they see in the marketplace, usually. 
Okay. And so um, they saw it, they brought it to their employer. Hey, Blockbuster, guess what? This is how I see the future going. This is what I hear my ears to the ground. I hear what the people are saying. They decided to pass and guess who's out of business? Right. But it came from someone internally. Now, I don't know if that person worked for them for a time period to become an entrepreneur or they just saw the opportunity and seized it. Same thing with the guy who, um, oh, he created the... um, the optic shielding for fiber optics. Same thing for him. He was a tech laying that. I met him. Matter of fact, he was, he owns a boat company right now. He was a tech laying out the fiber optics line. Notice that they, it would break every X amount of feet, let's say 10 feet and it would break. So he decided to create a sheath around that fiber optic line so that it would last 60 feet. And he, that's how he became a millionaire. So I, I don't know how long he was on the job. I don't know if he was positioned in the job just until the, uh, something better came along, but he sees the opportunity. Starbucks. He was an employee. Yeah. And he said it would be better if we actually brewed the, the coffee. coffee. Uh-huh. And sold it in shops. He had a revolutionary like, at the nah, time. Uh-huh. Nah, nah. He was like, okay, saved up his coin, did what he had to do, uh-huh. bought out Seattle's best, came up with Starbucks, and boom, what we got? Matter of fact, he's from Brooklyn, New York, everybody. I just want to make that known. Okay. <laughs> Down here in Red Hook. I want to love you, but you're not letting me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Down here in Brooklyn. Just saying, shout out to Brooklyn, BK in the house. But, uh, but I mean, <laughs> we're saying these things so that you understand and know that sometimes it's the inside man, it's the yeah. information on the inside that helps you. Miss Harris you asked me one time. You could not get it from a library. You couldn't. Right. Miss Harris asked me when she had her... Her food, her food, but she was like, why didn't nobody else come up with this concept of wine-infused foods? I was like, girl, listen, mm-hmm. because folks get stuck in tradition. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, you know, they probably mm-hmm. had, because somebody probably had the mind to do it, but they they were just too afraid to step out there and challenge the status mm-hmm. quo and come up with something different. Mm-hmm. That, at the end of the day, that's what these people have done. That's what Starbucks did mm-hmm. when it was Seattle's best. It's still, Seattle's best still, con- they still got the, contender, the coffee beans. But they're not a big contender. Yeah. Great. Yeah, so and they eventually he, got a cafe too. Right. <laughs> so guess what? The Seattle's best still, still, you know, people don't make the connection between that and Starbucks, but it still exists. He didn't really totally get rid of it. He just came up with an innovative way yeah. to get the coffee out there because mm-hmm. guess what? There's more consumers who want already brewed coffee who ain't trying to be bothered with the process. He's so right. convenient. Right. Right. Exactly. Oracle, like all the other examples. Come on. Right. Uh, on the inside, and that what we're show, saying to you is it's not bad to work for somebody else. No. Because again, the information and the experience you get is invaluable. We're just saying think between salaried mm-hmm. and hourly. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. all that's all we said trying to tell you. Make a decision. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And with that, we're going to have to take a little break and we're going to come back with, um, you know, a little summation. Uh, Hopefully you've gotten a lot out of this show to be able to decipher. Should you become a full-time employee or maybe just a freelance employee while you're pursuing and or growing your business? You're listening to Business in Black and we'll be right back. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. 
And we're on the last leg of today's show. Should you be a freelancer or an employee while starting and or building your business? Um, And we've had um, one major theme over this entire show, which is maintaining your work-life balance. I think that's the biggest pull away for me, at least, Dr. Hughes, is when I become an employee of another organization who may be paying me to learn about their industry, which is going to better serve me, will I still be able to walk away with the integrity of having work-life balance? Um, so I just wanted to go through a list of some of the things, because I know we talked a lot about employee, employee, employee heavy throughout the show. I didn't want to leave out the freelance portion. So I wanted to just kind of touch on a couple of freelance positives and freelance negatives, advantages and disadvantages. One of them, advantage-wise, would be flexible hours. Um, as a freelancer, as a true freelancer, you should be having a little bit more leadway with your office hours, um, a little more leadway with um, what hours you decide to take on because you're not a true employee. And there's a difference between a, being a contract employee and a salaried employee. So a contract employee is still an employee. So it still acts and functions, as we said earlier, as an employee. So you don't have as much leeway, but a true freelancer is going to have more leeway. They may not have to show in and clock in in the office. They may just be you know, able to come into certain meetings and still office wherever they want to. So keep that in mind. They're also going to have more control over jobs and clients. So when you're a freelancer, you can choose whoever you want to work with. You could choose to take that assignment or not take that assignment. And it's your choice. Um, well, you can work wherever you want. As I just mentioned, um, you can work from home if you want. You can go. Usually they'll have a little space cut out for you in that office to where you can office in their facility when they need you in-house. Like if it's a crunch deadline that they need you there, they'll make some workroom for you. Um, the best part is you're the boss. I think that's the buzzword for everybody. You're the boss. But keeping in mind that you're the boss, you still have people to answer to because your client is who you have to answer to. So where you may be able to be more, um, what's the word I want to use, Dr. Hughes? You might be able to be more assertive in setting your boundaries. You still have people you have to report to and who are holding you accountable because after all, you're being hired to do a particular job. Right. Right. So um, the other thing about it is that you keep all the profits. Now, I say that with leeway because you want to make sure you're taking out enough for taxes, both federal and state, if you live in a, a state that you have to pay state taxes, so that you won't get walloped over the skull later on when it comes time to paying taxes. So you should figure out whatever your tax rates are. You In a separate bank account, you should put all your money for your taxes in that bank account. And you should... Um, Um, not touch that money so that at the end of the year, if you have to pay $500,000 in taxes, guess what you have? The money already set aside and you haven't spent it or reinvested it back into the company. So I didn't want to make it seem like we were just saying, you know, should you be an employee? Should you be an employee? Should you be an employee? Because there really is a choice um, these days with Upwork, 
uh, with Fiverr. There are lots of different platforms. Those are just a couple that you can find and bid for freelance opportunities. Uh, So keep that in mind as you're endeavoring. Um, But remember, a freelance opportunity is really an extension of your business. Okay? So that means you're going to have to put in the work to find the work as if it is your own business. That's one of the disadvantages. Leg work in building a freelance business is the same as building a business. You have to go find the work to keep you occupied. Um, Another negative disadvantage is um, may not be steady or reliable. Just because your contract is ending in three months, may you may not find another gig for another six months. You know, so again, that leg work is a habitual. You can't. It's like you have a lot of spinning plates. You have to keep that going in order for the, the funnel. It's just no different than a sales funnel. You have to keep the conversations going to get that sales funnel jam-packed so that it's not trickling through, but business is allowing you to be choosy on what you want to accept. Right. I think that's the value. That's that's the big takeaway is, you know, you have to, again, it boils down to knowing your burn rate, knowing what your goals are and, um, you know, establishing boundaries for yourself. You know, sometimes you get comfortable. You have to make yourself uncomfortable, have things that in place that shake you up, that shake you out of your stupor because you think you're the boss. Yeah, you are the boss, but guess what? You know, when IRS and and your rent and all this other stuff come knocking on your door, they don't want to hear I'm the boss and I got tired and I decided, you know, I was kind of about it. No, 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 no. What they want to hear is pay me my money. Right. You can't pay, you can't, you know, excuses don't pay bills. And so, like she says, you have to constantly have something in the works, whether it's finances coming in from a funnel, a sales funnel, which sales funnel is it coming in from? From your side hustle business or is it coming from your contractor work? Because both are basically one and the same. It's just right. two different entrepreneurial things. We don't right. see it that way as a contractor, but that's what it is. Or, you know, whatever project, you know, freelancer, freelancer. whatever, mm-hmm. as a freelancer, mm-hmm. it, it's two different sales funnels, two different opportunities. And I want to thank you for that conversation because, honey, I just got a light bulb. Yes. But yeah. anyway. That's but, the light bulb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, those are those are things that you have to think of. Something needs to constantly be coming in. I don't care if it's two hundred fifty dollars or that's two fifty more than what you had coming into your sales funnel. You know, mm-hmm. so you have to think about, you know, is is a job too small? Maybe we can do a show on that on is what's too what's considered too small mm-hmm. when you're freelancing. And when freelancing is your business, because freelancing is a business. Right. So if you're a freelancer, how small is too small of a gig? And what's it mean? What does it mean to you? And and, and how does it get you out there and, and growth and expansion and really building traction for yourself as a freelancer? You know, so just a little something there to think about, uh, you know, as it relates to freelancing, because again, like Ms. Harris said, it's just like any other sales funnel. You got right. to constantly be building it. Something needs to be coming in from one of the two. Is it coming from the left or is it coming from the right, down the middle, whatever? Well, and then you you want, it's difficult to find a steady, reliable workload. 
-hmm. at times. And then when you do find a steady and reliable workload, you don't want to become comfortable in that. Uh, For example, I I knew some food people who got 70% of their chickens from one corporation. And one day they just said, you know what, we're not going to sell to you anymore. For whatever reason, I don't know if a competitor bought, you know, that share load or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, guess what? They got used to that reliable, steady source that came out from under them. And now how are they going to how are they going to pull together 70 percent of where they were getting their chickens from at the same rate? Nonetheless. So you want to be sure that you're, you're finding the um, steady and reliable um, incomes, but then you also want to make sure those, you're not becoming dependent and comfortable in those reliable incomes, that you're continuously out there still swimming around like a shark looking for new sources because you don't know when and if one day they come in and say, well, we decided to hire someone half your age with half of your credentials and pay them a fourth of what we're paying you. You just never know. Uh, Another negative uh, disadvantage would be mm, sometimes it gets difficult as a freelancer to have that work personal time balance because you become everything. You become the accountant, you become the attorney, you become the, 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 the talent, you become the janitor, you become, you know, all of that. The, the copier, the assistant, you're all of those things in one. And sometimes, you know, you know that you should be taking time off and go to the beach and put your toes in the sand, but you still have to make these copies and you still have to do these. So it's always great to try and find another source that can help you with those things, whether you drop them off at the UPS store, you know, when we see dollars, right? If we drop it off at FedEx Kinko's and we say, I just dated myself, but that's okay. Um, If we drop (laughs) off at FedEx (laughs) or the UPS store to make copies and we just see the dollar signs that are going out, but you have to think of money as your time. So how much time is that going to save you? And is it worth the money? Are you worth the money? Um, um, a, a, A point to that too is don't settle in your business. Especially right. in the business, you have to like we. I said earlier about establishing boundaries. You have to establish standards for your business. And so, if printing for yourself saves you money, but it doesn't result in the same quality that you're looking for, you need to drop it off. Right. Find the money to invest in UPS. Office Depot does great printing as well yep. on the low. Office FedEx, Max, whatever uh-huh. they call themselves now. Office mm-hmm. Max. Find you a local printer. Find you someone that can print good quality for you because you don't want to sacrifice that. I'm telling you because, again, that's value. That's going to speak to the value of what you have to offer and what's setting you apart. So sometimes what's, quote, saving you money is is really going to cost you money in the end. Absolutely. Don't sacrifice. Please don't settle. That's not something you want to sacrifice. Please don't settle in your business, especially in the beginning. Establish Mm -hmm. your standards and stick with them. Absolutely. Um, One of the biggest ones is of an disadvantage is not getting paid. Didn't I just say you got to wear a hat of many 
talents, and one of them is you better be accounts receivable. Yeah, accounts receivable. Look, let me tell you something. I'm in a group called um, Black Girls Craft on Facebook, and honey, we get all the newbies that come up in there talking about some stuff, and we tell the first first bit of advice everybody shares is no work gets done until we get paid some money. Right. I don't care if it's a deposit. Mm-hmm. The deposit is always going to be non-refund. Why? Because that's your time. That's the materials you use. Right. And guess what? We're not dropping anything off. Mm-hmm. You No delivery until final payment. So mm-hmm. guess what? I, we can do an exchange at the same time, especially if you're local. But if it's being shipped, guess what? You got to pay up front. Right. Everything Absolutely. has to get paid. Why? Because when you shop online... They're not shipping pay. you anything until you pay. Right. It's the same thing. Understand right. you can't you can't cut corners in your business in the beginning when it comes to collecting your money. Because as a coach, guess what? No coaching starts. None. Right. Till we get paid. Right. Well, and the last one I have to give to you as a disadvantage is no employer benefits as a freelancer, uh, that you won't get the health benefits, you won't get FMLA, you won't get unemployment if you get laid off from that assignment, you won't get any of those things. You don't have paid sick time or vacation time. Um, So that's really... Um, those, are those are things you have to build into your career. Consideration, absolutely. Because every day you don't work is the day you don't get paid. So, which is why I love Joan Rivers when she said that calendar had to stay full because she knew when that calendar was blank spaces, that means that was a day she was not getting paid. Mm -hmm. So just some advantages and disadvantages of being a freelance employee um, where you're really truly taking on clients. It really is a business in itself. And um, hopefully this conversation helped you understand what you should do for your own business, how you should navigate the waters. You're thinking about starting a business. You want to have a business, but should I quit? No. My current job? No. Should I take on a part-time job instead um, to help fund it? Very smart idea. Take on a full-time gig to learn the ins and outs in the industry that you would have no other way of finding out but to work for someone in the industry. So a lot of different ways that you can navigate through your entrepreneurial endeavors. And we hope that this show has helped you guide you through another one of those. So all as usual... We thank you for tuning into the show. We thank you for listening. And uh, we always love to hear your feedback. So you can write to us on any of our social media. Mine is Business Intelligence Coach. And Dr. Hughes is the Global Mentor Coach. The Global Mentor Coach. And you're listening to Business in Black, a weekly podcast where we talk all things starting, growing, and building a better business. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Thanks for listening and see you next time.